Matthew chapter 5. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. I thank you that we can spend this time together. I pray that you'd bless the effort to preach your word. I pray that you'd use it to speak to our hearts tonight. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, I'm going to begin by making a confession that I think many of you could identify with. I don't know how long this lasts. I don't know how many years this takes to get through. But tonight, I feel like at the age of 40, I am in a unique position in life, okay? Now, you may wonder what kind of position I'm in. This is the position that I feel as though I'm in. I don't feel as though I'm old, okay? I don't believe for a moment that I'm old. I feel good. I feel young. I don't look in the mirror and see an old man per se. I just, I'm, I'm 40 and I'm glad to be 40 and I'm thankful for it and I feel good and I've got dreams still. I still have ambition. There are still things that I want to accomplish. I look at this stage of life and I say, man, this is a good stage of life to be in right now. So I'm not an old man, but I'm not as young as I once was either. You know what that feels like, right? You know what it's like to realize I'm not a kid anymore. I'm not a child anymore. I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm really not even in that quote-unquote young adult stage of life anymore. And so I find myself every once in a while, because I'm not a young man, looking back to the past and reflecting and reminiscing. Somebody says, well, I thought that's what old people do. Well, I guess not, because I don't feel old, but yet at the same time, I feel as though I'm old enough that I can look back over the course of my life, and there are certain things that I see, and there are certain things that I think, and, and I think that all of you who have a little bit of years on you would look back over the course of the last few years and say something like this, there are many things that I am thankful I am thankful that they have changed, and yet there are some things how I wish we could go back. Would you agree? You, you look at some areas of life and you say, man, I am so glad we're not there anymore. I am so glad that as a nation or as a, as a, as a people, whatever you would identify us as tonight, what, whatever that is, I am so thankful that we are no longer here. I've said this before, and I'll just say it again tonight to try to illustrate what I'm talking about. When you look at the world of medicine, I am so thankful for the advances we have made in the last 20 and 25 and 30 years. Because many times in the past, what was once a major procedure or a major issue is now an outpatient kind of a thing. And we just take care of that with a couple of lasers and a couple of zaps, and you're on your way home. And used to, it could hospitalize you for weeks or could be a life-threatening illness. So I'm thankful for that. I, I like technology. I'm not one of these people who is opposed to technology. And so I, I like the technology and the ability to get information quickly and easily and, and, and all that's available to us. But, but there are some times that I'm not reflecting on the days that my parents have told me about or the days that my grandparents told me about. There are some days in my life that I'm just wishing sometimes, oh, I wish we could go back. 
I told Susie this week at lunch, I said, you know, if I had to go back and relive a certain portion of my life, hands down, if I just was forced to, and it couldn't be this stage of life, it would be my years at Springfield as a married couple because it was just a simpler, simpler time. And I've thought this week how in the world I would love to go back to a day when political correctness did not try to rule everything about our lives. I mean, I don't know about you, but I just get so sick and tired of having to guard every single thing that comes out of my mouth because you're afraid you may offend someone. But we don't say that. Well, why not? Well, that's not politically correct anymore. Well, we don't say that anymore. We've, we don't use that terminology anymore. Good night. Can we not just have a conversation? There are times that I... I reflect over the years of my childhood and, you know, even 15 years ago, and I think, man, I long for the day when parents actually disciplined children. I I do. I long for the day when you could actually spank your children and you didn't have to worry about CPS. How it would be nice for me to be able to admit that I have spanked my children and not have to be worried that I admitted such a thing. We've got you on CD admitting that you spanked your children. Yeah, I have. But again, the political correctness has run amok, and we have to worry about things like that. Don't you kind of miss the days that people worked hard for things, and they were content if they didn't have everything the latest and greatest because they recognized we can't afford it, so that's fine. I mean, I don't remember when credit cards were introduced to our family, but I mean, can you imagine a day where credit cards did not control people like they do today? Wouldn't that be a wonderful world? It would be. I long for the days where preachers preached holiness, no matter where you went to church. I mean, I remember going to a Christian school, and I had, you know, a lot of kids around me. It wasn't a real rinky-dink school. And there were kids at the Pentecostal church, and there were kids at the Bible church, and there were kids at the Baptist church, and, and, you know, whatever it may be, the fellowship church, whatever it was. But, I mean, it was a pretty rare situation where, where you didn't have kids growing up with an understanding somewhat of some holiness and some righteousness and, and some fear of God. Of course, there were some doctrinal differences, but I mean, when it came down to holiness and this is right and this is wrong and this is appropriate and this is inappropriate, I mean, the kids I ran with, I mean, whatever their background was, I mean, there was just this certain understanding that these things are wrong. Why? Not because my denomination said they were wrong, but for crying out loud, the Bible and Christianity says it's wrong. Those were some good old days. And here's what I'm fearful of, and I know that this is from the perspective of every generation that this can probably be said, but here's what I'm fearful of. The generation that I got to grow up in, my children will never get to experience. And I know that some of you would look at me and say, man, if you only knew the world that I got to grow up in compared to the world you had to grow up in. And again, I understand that, and probably in another 20 years or so, Nathan will be looking at his children one day, and Hannah and Leah will be looking at their children. And they'll probably, if, if God allows this world to continue, they'll probably be saying something like this, man, I wish you knew the world that I grew up in. 
And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, man, I can't imagine what it will be like then if they would say that of their childhood. But isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how consistent, though, sin is? I mean, as much as I would long for the good old days sometimes, here's what I have to remember and here's what I have to admit. Man, sin's always been a problem. Sin has always been a problem. It's not as though Eve and Adam sinned and, you know, that messed everything up and then we kind of hit this utopian stage where, where everything was good for a while. No, sin has always been present and sin has always had an effect and, and sin has always messed things up. I just think that there was a time, at least in our history, where sin was not flaunted as much as it is now. And there was a time where people understood some modesty and some decency about themselves and just some character and integrity and things of that nature. Well, where is this headed? Well, tonight we know from our last few studies or last few looks at the Scripture that Christ has been dealing with the traditions of men in comparison to what the Word of God had to say. So for the last three messages, he has said to his disciples, Ye have heard that it was said. So here you are, disciples, and you understand what the tradition is. You understand what the culture is. You understand what, what is kind of the accepted norm. But I say unto you. Now, if you haven't caught this trend yet, if you haven't seen this, this uh, line of logic that has taken place, essentially what Christ has done is said this. Listen, for everything that culture has taught you to this point, it's wrong at least in these areas of life. Does this make sense? Whenever Christ confronted the subject of anger, he did not say to them, you know what, I really did mess that one up. Because he said, you've heard it said of old time that thou shalt not kill. But I want to tell you something. I'm not just worried about whether or not the person kills. I want you to know that I'm worried about your heart and the anger issues that you have of the heart. So it's not as though Christ is saying, you know, really, I think the culture got this one right and I got this one wrong. No, Christ would be quick to say, listen, when there's a conflict between my word and what the culture says, the word of God is right and culture is absolutely 100% wrong. End of discussion. Culture's wrong. Word of God is right. As he dealt with the subject of adultery, he did not say to the disciples, you know what, I went a little overboard on that one. You know what, it's really not that big a deal if you look upon a woman and you lust after her and you begin to, to gaze upon her and desire her. No, he said, listen, I want you to know that as much as adultery is wrong, so is lust in the heart of a man or, or even the lust in the heart of a woman. It is wrong and it is sinful and it is something that needs to be addressed. It is sin regardless of what culture says. And then last week we looked at culture's flippant attitude toward divorce and remarriage. Culture had come to a place in their day and in their time where all a man had to do was write a bill of divorcement for his wife and send her on her way. And what God said was this, listen, that may be your idea of divorce and that may be your idea of what is acceptable by way of relationships, but he said, I want to remind you that though the culture says that, here's what the Word of God says. And if you just put a woman away without biblical reasons, which would involve immorality of some sort, he says, if you put a woman away for unbiblical reasons, then what you are doing is producing more of a problem. Why? Because your act is 
perpetuating the sin of adultery. So here's what Christ is saying over and over and over again. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what the accepted norm is in society today. What I am worried about is the Word of God, the Lord says to the disciples, and here is what my Word says, and as a result, here is what you need to be worried about. Does this make sense? All right. So at no point does the cultural accepted norms trump God's Word. At no point in their day or in our day can we say, well, that's what the Word of God says, but if God's Word says it, that is the way it's supposed to be regardless of what culture and society and anyone else may say. Now, I don't know if you've caught on to this. I trust that you have, but it seems to me as though you could look at the subjects we've dealt with to this point and we could say are we sure this wasn't written recently i mean it's almost like the bible's still relevant it's almost like the word of god still has significance today dealing with anger and dealing with lust and dealing with marriage and what our attitude toward it should be But notice in verse number 33 tonight, he's going to make a statement that with just a casual reading and a casual glance at it, you would say to yourself, if you're anything like me, well, I don't quite understand what the problem is with this one. But notice what he says in verse number 33. He says, again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. What is Christ saying to his disciples? Okay, he is saying this. The accepted cultural norm for you and I today is this, is that, is that thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. How many of you this week used the word forswear? Did any of you use the word forswear? If I used it, it was strictly an accident and a slip of the tongue and a jumbling of my words together. I did not intentionally use the word forswear. So what in the world does it mean to forswear? Well, the idea of the word forswear is this. It is to commit perjury or to lie under oath. To commit perjury or to lie under an oath or a vow or a promise that was given. Now follow this, please. Here is Christ, and he says, Ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, here is the tradition, here is what is accepted in our culture today, that thou shalt not forswear thyself. So what is Christ saying? Well, the statement is this then, that you have heard of old times that it has been said, thou shalt not commit perjury or thou shalt not lie under oath. I don't know about you, but I'm sitting here thinking, well, what's wrong with that one? I mean, do we understand what perjury is? It's giving false testimony, correct? 
It's lying under oath. It's misrepresenting the facts. It's saying something that isn't true, okay? And this idea of lying under oath, I mean, good night. Why would Christ criticize this? Why would Christ say anything about that? Well, here's what we'll find in the verses to follow in the next couple of weeks. Here's what we're going to begin to understand is here's what the culture looked like and here's what the society looked like in the days of Christ and the disciples. And that was this is that lying was such a part of the fabric of the society that they lived in that people no longer saw lying as an issue. The only time that you were really expected to tell the truth was in some kind of a legal setting or when some kind of an oath or vow or promise had been made. So in just your daily affairs, in just your daily dealings with individuals, in your interaction with those around you, essentially here is where their society was at, was that if you said something to someone, if you stated something to someone, and you were not telling them the truth, or you did not follow through with what you said, it was considered in their time to be no big deal, no big issue. So if you need to lie a little bit here, lie a little bit here. If you need to misrepresent the facts here, go ahead and misrepresent the facts here. If you need to twist things a little bit, go ahead and twist things. If you don't want to follow through with promises made and commitments made, then don't follow through with promises and commitments made. The only time you're really expected to tell the truth is when you're under oath or you've made some kind of an oath or a vow or a promise to someone, then you need to fulfill it. Christ goes on to say, Not only shalt thou not forswear thyself, but the teaching was, but shalt perform or execute unto the Lord thine oaths or thy promises. Isn't this a messed up way of thinking? You say, well, I don't know exactly what you mean. Well, think about this. Do not commit perjury. Do not lie under oath. Now, if you lie anyplace else, that's okay. That's just part of the society that we live in. If you say something that isn't true over here, don't worry about it because that's just the culture in which we live in. If you don't follow through with what you said you're going to do, don't worry about it because that's the way we operate today. But here's what you need to do. When you're under oath, always, always, always tell the truth. Oh, yeah, and be sure and perform the oaths that are the promises you make to the Lord. Doesn't that sound so spiritual? I mean, think about this. Are we not as human creatures kind of weird? (laughs) Uh, If you don't think you're weird, just go ahead and take a survey of those around you. They think you're weird to an extent, okay? All of us as individuals are weird to an extent. Now, one of the ways in which we are weird sometimes is this. We don't feel pressure from people if they're not around us. Does this make sense? 
It's kind of like if, if I've committed something to you and, and you're not around, it's a whole lot easier to not follow through with that commitment. But if I commit something to you and you're around, then I feel more of an obligation to maybe follow through with my commitment, right? It's kind of weird how we work that way, is it not? Okay, now understand this, please. For most of us, we can't see God with our physical eye, correct? There are a few charismatics who can see him with their eyes, and it's a weird relationship that they've got. That was sarcasm, okay? I don't really believe that. I'm just being silly, okay? We don't have the ability tonight to see God with our physical eyes, correct? Okay. In light of that, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but sometimes I lose sight of the fact that God is a part of my everyday life and that he is a part of my everyday dealings. Okay. As a result of that... Do you think we're any different than they were back then? No, they were not any different than us back then. Meaning, if they were not afraid to lie to the people they saw every day, what would make us think they were real worried about keeping their oaths or their promises or their vows to an almighty God? I mean, think about it. You make a vow to God, but hey, I can't see God, and I even forget that God's a part of my daily life. So I just kind of go about my daily life and doing whatever I do, and if I don't fulfill my vow, if I don't fulfill the promise, then eh, whatever, I mean, what's the big deal? That's just kind of the society that we live in. Here is a group of people living in the days of Christ, and they have no concern whatsoever about being men and women of dishonesty. They have no concern about the lack of integrity or character that they have. That is the way that they function, and the only time they worry about truthfulness is under oath or to the good Lord himself, which you know did not really dictate much of their actions or it would have dictated their actions between one another. Does this make sense? Honesty and integrity and character was not anything that their society seemed to be real worried about. That one sure doesn't apply today, does it? Think about this, please, for just a moment. Many of you know this far better than I do. But do you remember the day when a deal got done with a handshake? <laughs> where's, the, where's the contract? Right there. What do you mean? We shook hands. I'm a man, and he's a man, and we shook hands. I said I was going to do this. He said he was going to do this. And as we shook hands on it, that was the sealing of the contract. Do you miss that day? Or do you prefer 38 pages of legal contracts and signing in 14 different places, not having any idea what it is you're agreeing to? You just know it's some kind of a contract you're signing into saying that if I don't fulfill my end of it or you don't fulfill your end of it, then we can sue each other for everything we got. I mean, do you kind of miss the day 
when a person cared about their name? <laughs> you know, kind of like, my name means something to me. And part of what determines my name is whether or not I'm somebody who does what they say they're going to do and will just do it because I said I'd do it, not because I signed a contract that, would, that said I would do it. Don't you miss the day, kind of, when you could say something like this? They looked me right in the eye and they told me the truth. They looked me square in the eye. It wasn't looking down at the floor. It wasn't this nervous Twitter looking up at the ceiling. It wasn't anything like that. They looked me right in the eye and they told me the truth. I don't know about you, but I, I miss those days. You say, well, you don't even really understand exactly what it was like. I know I don't understand exactly what it was like maybe for your generation and maybe for your day, but I do remember this, that there was a time in which people would look you in the eye and tell you the truth. There was a time in which people cared about their name. There was a time in which you could seal a deal with a handshake and you knew it was going to be done. Why? Because not only did you care about your name, but they cared about their name and nobody was going to intentionally let it happen that they didn't fulfill their end of the contract or what they said they they were going to do but man look at where we're at now I've said this before I will say it again and I will only quit saying this when I no longer detect it to be a problem but we live in a day today where we assume everyone is lying to us I know, Chase, it's terrible, isn't it? That was a perfect timing for a big yawn. We live in a day, don't we, where we assume that everyone, until they have proven themselves at least, is lying to us. I, I, I don't know if, if this is something you've ever encountered. But I've had people look me square in the eyes and flat out lie to me. Used to, they would have been so ashamed or embarrassed or scared or nervous, they would have fidgeted and whatever and looked at the floor or looked at the ceiling and they couldn't have looked you in the eye and lied to you. But nowadays, they will look you square in the eye and tell you whatever it is you want to hear. And they don't think one thing about it because it's part of our culture. It's a part of our society. I've mentioned this before, and again, I'm not just saying this because we need to fill up some time tonight. I'm saying this to remind us of the society that we live in. We cannot buy anything without contract, without contract, without contract, without contract. I mean, everything we do, there has to be some kind of a contract attached to it, it seems. Why? Because they assume that we're lying to them. And that will not fulfill our word and that will not fulfill our commitment. Now, why would they assume that of people? Because they've been burned enough times. 
by men and women who don't care about their name, who don't care about their testimony, who don't care about their reputation, who can look them square in the eye and lie to them. So what do they assume? They assume that we're lying to them like we assume they're probably going to lie to us and try to cheat us. And we're just trying to protect ourselves because that's the kind of world that we live in today. And I thought this interesting as I put this message together and tried to put the thoughts together. I, I thought this interesting. You know who I deal with more than any other type of people? Good old God-fearing, God-serving people. And you know what I've detected? They're some of the worst liars out there. And I don't mean they're not very good at it. I mean they just do it so often, they're masters at it. Christians who have no integrity, who are not concerned at all with honesty, I will tell you or anybody else whatever I need to say, whatever I need to do to get out of this bind, to get out of this predicament, to get out of this awkward moment. I will say whatever needs to be said to try to get you off of my case because it is easier to lie than to man up or to woman up and to just tell the truth. I love it. People must think that Susie and I don't ever talk to each other. Oh, uh, you'll talk at home? Yeah, we do sometimes. Because I'm amazed. There have been times where people are like, hey, did you talk to so-and-so? Yeah. What did they say to you? Well, they said such-and-such. Such. Really? Because that's not at all what the husband told me. One of them's telling the truth. And one of them just told a lie. It's amazing. Some people think that I don't ever talk to anybody, apparently. I just come to my office and I just sit in my cubbyhole and I just sit there and I just meditate on the Word and I never talk to anyone. But it's amazing. Sometimes I'll be visiting with someone in the church and something will come up and I'll say, yeah, they told me such and such and they'll say to me, that's what they said to you? Well, yeah. Why? What did you hear? Oh, man, that's not at all what they told me. What they told me was this, 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 and this. And yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with what you just said. I'm not just talking about so-called Christians out there. I'm talking about so-called Christians in here. Men and women in this church who will lie and not think a thing of it, but bless God, their kids better tell the truth. Yeah, you better not lie to dad or mom. Because if you do, I'm going to have to lie to the preacher or to the teacher or to the coach or to whatever it may be. People in this church who will sit there or stand there and lie to your face and never even get nervous about it anymore. 
Why? Because it's such a part of our culture, we don't care. God still cares about honesty. God still cares about integrity. We'll see it again in a few weeks when we get back to this portion of Scripture. But here's what God wants of us. To say the truth and be done with it. So that whenever somebody speaks to us, they know, hey, that's what Kyle said, therefore that is the truth. Why? Because he's proven himself that he tells the truth. That is the kind of testimony that you and I are supposed to have. Not that Kyle says one thing and Susie says another thing. Not that Kyle and Susie say one thing, but the kids tell the truth. Because sometimes you get the truth from the kids that you couldn't ever get from the parents. God still cares about honesty and integrity and just being a person of the truth. And if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And if I say I'll be there, I'll be there. And if I say you can count on me, then you will count on me. And if by chance I cannot do what I said I would do, I'll be honest with you as to why I couldn't. And I'll try to let you know beforehand that I can't follow through with what I said I was going to do. But I won't start dodging you and I won't start ducking you and I'll not start avoiding you. And acting like, well, I really don't know. I don't remember ever saying anything like that. If anybody should have some integrity, it should be those of us who call ourselves Christians. And there are so many liars, even in so-called Christianity, and they don't mind lying to anyone if it benefits their cause. However, Thou shalt perform thine oath unto the Lord. Because you sure wouldn't want to lie to God. Oh, <laughs> thank you for that reverent attitude. Liar. Following this? Somebody says, you calling me a liar? If you're a liar, I'm calling you a liar. If you don't tell the truth, I'm calling you a liar. If you'll make things up, yeah, I'm calling you a liar. Why? Because an honest person doesn't lie. An honest person doesn't just make things up. An honest person doesn't just grab the first excuse out of the air that comes to their mind and says, yeah, I'll use that one. No, an honest person tells the truth and a liar tells lies. But then we act like we're so spiritual and we're so godly and we want to fulfill and follow through with all of our commitments to Him. And we're not even worried about that. Promises like this are made. God's number one in my life, unless he's not, because something else could get into that position pretty easy. I'm going to serve the Lord all the days of my life, well, unless I quit, and then I won't. I'm going to take a strong stand for him. Unless it's hard, and then I won't. And here's what I'll do. I'll use any excuse I need to not follow through with the commitments or the promises I've made to God. Amen and amen. If I need to blame my job, job blamed. If I need to blame the school, school blamed. If I need to blame the coach, 
Coach blamed. If I need to blame family, family blamed. If I need to blame whatever, that'll work. Because after all, I didn't really mean it. Well, I meant it, but you know, you understand. Well, really, it doesn't matter whether I understand it or not. What matters most is did you make a promise to the Lord? If you made a promise to God, follow through with the commitment. If you've made some kind of a vow, if you've made some kind of an oath, if you've made some kind of a commitment to God, even if just in your heart you've done it and it wasn't public and it wasn't verbal, listen, if you've made a vow to the Lord, do it. Because that's what God expects. The disciples in Christ were living in a day where their word meant nothing. I have said this to Susie repeatedly, that I have learned a painful lesson, even more so in the last few months than ever before. But I have learned this lesson, that people's word these days mean nothing on so many accounts. I know this sounds terrible. Oh, I know this sounds terrible. I shouldn't even admit this out loud anymore. But there are times that people will tell me things nowadays, and I try my hardest not to roll my eyes physically. But I just inside, whatever. Why? Because you've got a track record. I'm not saying you personally. I'm just saying you, like, generally. You've got a track record that screams... I'll tell you right now whatever I think you want to hear. But if the wind begins to blow out of the north instead of the south, I can change what I said last week, and it doesn't matter because now I've come up with something new to say. Friends, if anybody ought to have some integrity... It ought to be us. If, any, uh, if, if anyone ought to have a yea be yea and a nay be nay, it ought to be us. Somebody says, are we really going to come back to this in a few weeks and deal with this again? We sure are. You know why? Why? Because we're probably not going to get the sin of lying eradicated in the next couple of weeks. And I'm just guessing I'm probably going to be lied to in the next couple of weeks even by some members of Grace Baptist Church. How I wish, I mean this, how I wish I could just put on the big whiteboard sometimes, told this, this done. Told this, this done. Told not this, this not dot, dot, dot. Because people don't care these days. Do you realize that if we'd like to go back to a day when honesty kind of prevailed? Do you realize that if we'd like to get back to a day where people cared about their name and a handshake sealed the deal and looking somebody in the eye actually meant something, do you realize that if that's what we'd like to get back to, we probably can't expect it of anyone else until we're willing for it to start with us? 
And there are some men and women in this room. Please understand, I know that there are some men and women in this room of integrity. And you do everything you can to fulfill your word. But let's not sit here and act like this doesn't plague some in this church. And that it's not having an effect on the younger generation. Why? Because they're growing up in a day where it means nothing for people to lie. We cannot sit here and say, well, we've only got to be honest in this situation. No, we ought to be honest, period, because we're Christians. And God said, thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt tell the truth. Thou shalt not be liars. We tell the truth. Why? Because we're Christians. And because that's the way Christians ought to handle themselves. Let's all stand this evening and bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight to be men and women who are honest. Men and women who have some integrity. I know that every one of us have to deal with the liars around us. We deal with people every day, it seems, who will tell us whatever we need to hear, whatever they think we want to hear. And Lord, all they're doing is making excuses for not following through with their word. Lord, I know that for every one of us that can be a struggle sometimes. It, it truly can. Every one of us at times want to take the easy way out. But, Lord, would you help us tonight to be men and women of integrity, how it is needed in our society today. So, Lord, please don't let us leave here tonight expecting our kids to be honest if we'll not be honest. Let's not expect our grandchildren to be honest if we'll not be honest. Lord, would you help us tonight to just be men and women, to just speak the truth, regardless of the situation, because that's what you've called us to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lauren plays, if you need to pray, please do.